0: It was the greatest night of her life. Sally Holder stood on the podium accepting the Young Professional of the Year Award in front of thousands of people. Not yet 30, she was married with two kids and had achieved a six-figure income. On the outside, she was successful by society standards, but she had a secret.
1: Oftentimes I would ask
0: myself, like, how
1: dare I want more, right? I've got... The husband, a white picket fence, two kids, and a legal profession. How dare I want more than this?
0: Success felt like a role she was playing, and Sally was miserable living the life she'd chosen. On the inside, she felt like an imposter who wanted to do something entirely different, but she didn't know what. How do you create change when your starting point is success. It's a question that women wouldn't have been asking as little as a few decades ago, but as more of us move into traditionally male-dominant fields, many are wondering, isn't it selfish to want more?
1: I'm Sally Holder, and this is a lesson on
0: hitting rock metal. I'm Kim Cutable. An author, producer, and entrepreneur. And I believe that the way women lead is our divine advantage. That's part of what we'll be talking about in this podcast called Voice Lessons. What was your earliest memory of being creative?
1: Ooh, Kim. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me today. Honored to get to spend time with you. I just connected with you immediately when we met, so I'm delighted to be here. My first memory of being creative was probably about six years old. My, uh, I'm an identical twin sister.
0: Oh, I'm obsessed with twins, oh. you know, and, and Jessica, who's on my team, is a twin. So I'm like a twin magnet. I
1: love it. I
0: love that. So
1: it was easy for me to be creative because I always had someone to be creative with. And so one thing that we absolutely loved to do, which actually holds true today, uh, I still love movies, but we used to love to pretend that we had our own movie theater. And so my parents had a little partition. And it had, you know, very small kind of plantation shutters that you could open and close. And so one of us could be the guest walking up and we would, you know, ask for popcorn and the other person would be, you know, the vendor and we would come over and provide the popcorn and the tickets. And, you know, if it were a particularly amazing day, then we would get my mom involved and she would be, you know, the ticket counter person. And then the, the, person providing the popcorn and then we would go and set up the room and, and watch a movie. And I just have such fond memories of that. And it's so funny, even right now, I've never put two and two together until right this second that I love
0: movies. And maybe that's why. I think creativity is the way that your soul communicates with you, which is why I like that question. I totally agree with that. I I'm always trying to
1: reconnect, you know, with that childlike version of myself, you know, the one that thought about her potential and just, it was all limitless. And, and I think that we all think back to one version of ourselves and when that was and what we were doing and all of those ideas kind of surround around that. And, and that's where that memory really lies. It's
0: play too. And you got very much away from that. Oh, right. So I want to talk a little bit about your story because that fun and that lightness, you chose a very, you know, focused, focused, hard masculine career let's talk about that and talk about your approach and all of the awards that you won and all of the wonderful things that happened before the moment that it kind of crashed
1: sure so Have you ever been in your car and you were driving home one day and you intended to stop for an errand, whether it was, you know, run by the bank or go to the grocery store, but for whatever reason, you're sort of in a daze and you're driving, 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 and then somehow you, you drove home without even thinking about it. Yeah. So I kind of equate the first 15 years of my professional career, like me just asleep at the wheel driving in the car and I should have stopped for all of those errands and things. And had I been awake, I would have, but, but I wasn't, I was just doing what was in front of me out of habit, out of memory, out of some sort of subconscious beliefs You know, and those are the same things that end up helping us drive that car all the way home where we didn't even realize it. I went on a path that was just never meant for me. And that was the path of practicing law. And I followed this high achiever model of success. And I was out there checking boxes, completely asleep at the wheel, just allowing other people then to say to me, oh, you would be good at... And then I would go and do it. Oh, if you haven't done this, you should. Oh, okay. Well, I'll run in that direction and go and do it. And so I did that for a very long time. I graduated from an undergraduate school. I went to law school immediately after. I went to the third largest labor and employment law firm in the country. And then young professional of the year, 30 under 30, all of those things. And then... I will never forget the day that I actually did win the Young Professional of the Year and all of those other awards had already come. And I went home that night and I found myself on the bathroom floor crying. My husband's asleep. It was a moment that I wanted no one else to know about. I felt so ashamed and yet shocked at those feelings. And really, you know, it was that internal war, like the calling of my soul kind of coming out saying to me, you're out of alignment. You're not on the road, the path that you're supposed to be on. You were supposed to take, you know, an exit a while back and you never listened to me and you never got off just wholly unfulfilled. And yet I felt completely stuck Because I was in this successful career. And how could I possibly leave when I was,
0: you know, externally successful? You've coined this, this phase since then. You've called it rock middle, which I think is pretty genius. Tell me a little bit about how you exited from being rock middle. And then what are the characteristics of being in that state?
1: You know, I wish I had known then that that's what this This state was called. And I think I wanted to coin this phrase because I wanted other people to be able to now have a turn for it, have an idea of what it is when you're out of alignment like that, and you feel successful externally, but internally miserable, and you want to create change. And for me, that's what rock middle was, was that point where the two parts didn't align. And so you don't have to be, you know, in a position where you're wanting to change careers or anything like that. It could be in a position where you're out of alignment and you know that you have more to give the world than what you're currently giving. And I unfortunately, because there was no term for it, and I didn't know that it was okay, that there wasn't just something wrong with me. Because I think that we as women especially do that. And you know, when something isn't feeling right, we blame ourselves. And we believe that it's something that we've done wrong. You know, I turned on me, I didn't listen to my inside guidance and I instead decided to ride this ride as long as I could, believing that I could stay somewhere in the middle, believing at the time that I could just hang out there. And what I want people to know is you're really not. You're always either moving closer to your dreams or further away from them based on the choices you're making
0: day in, day out. I think what's interesting is that if you think of middle, or if I thought, if I thought of middle, if you think of mediocrity, but it's actually not; it's excellence. You it are, you know, achieving in overachieving mode, which is what a lot of women do, and they are looking for that fulfillment in the achievements. But the what it is, you check one box, and then you've got to get to the next box, then maybe the next box I'll feel better, and the next box I'll feel better, and actually, it's it's none of that. I, I think what you're touching on here. You talk about the links between professional growth and internal growth. And I don't think that everybody understands that there is a link. They, especially if they're in the corporate world, I think your creative audience probably has a different understanding, but the corporate world, especially the focus is always external on the numbers and the way it looks and the benchmarks and all of those sorts of things that have nothing to do with any emotional, internal, invisible life. So how do you talk people into understanding the link and the importance of the link? When I was practicing
1: law, probably I kind of joke about this all the time. But if I had heard myself then what I'm saying now, I would have said she has lost her mind. She is completely woo woo and has gone out on this, you know, limb that, you know, cannot be pulled back. What I've realized is that, you know, in the corporate world, you especially need to develop the internal portion of yourself because it is your identifying characteristics and traits that you bring to the table, the things that make you you, that are going to make you stand out, that are going to make you rise above and go to the top. And what I mean by that are, you know, we all have and this is what I've really come to learn after, you know, using the the research tools and all the things I learned in law school is that and spending years studying this is we all have some internal traits that make us unique, right? You are different than I am. I can never be even identical to you. I can never even be identical to my twin sister, right? We were all put on this earth to do something unique. And I believe that what we're here to do is figure out what that is and be able to give that gift not only to ourselves, but to the world. When when you're in the corporate world, what you're doing is you're taking the time to do meditation, taking the time to do some gratitude lists at the very beginning of each day, setting your own individual goals that have nothing to do with the corporation's goals, but being able to define things like, I talk about in the book, who is it that you want to become? Because that's what you're doing every single day and making sure that the steps that you're taking within the corporate environment are helping to take you there. And if they're not, then you can look at it and say, do I want to work on different projects? Do I want to, how do I want to evolve my role or my position here so that it's going to take me closer to what I was put on this earth to do and meant to do? Because my belief is that when you're doing the thing that you're meant to do, the work will be easier. You will flow through it faster. You will be able to give unique traits to it that no one else can give that will make you stand out
0: remarkably. You have crafted an entirely different career from the one that you had from that moment on the floor. How did you cultivate the bravery within yourself? And you talk about stinking thinking in the book, which I'd never heard that phrase before and I loved it. And how did you cultivate... That sort of bravery and that willingness to look at what you weren't looking at, to speak the truth to yourself, to listen to whatever that truth is so that you could take on the new role.
1: Unfortunately, you know, for me, I just continued to live in the pain. And so until the pain of staying the same became so great that the potential pain of change didn't look that bad and that's what i want other people to to know is that when the pain begins that's your first indication that you can that you have enough of the courage that that pain isn't a bad thing that that pain is your indication that your courage is sitting right there within you that pain is the indication that you have the courage already and that you need to begin to make the change so You know, I have a framework in the book called Be Bolder, and the first step within it that I really lay out for other people to begin to make the change is really beginning to dream again right? We have formed that subconscious path that we've followed for so long. Well, What I talk about is a, it's built like a Jenga tower, right? It's built on one decision, one assumption that, right? For me, I made the assumption that, you know, there were only a few careers that women could go into and be quote unquote successful and that being attorney was one of them. How did you make that decision? You know, for me, I think that everyone is different where those subconscious beliefs came from. Looking around at whether it was a dinner party or restaurant, somewhere traveling around, anywhere, I was always looking at the types of reactions that women were getting when they said what they did. And I don't think I believe, you know, at the time, I didn't know that I was gathering that type of information, obviously, but later on, looking back on it, that's what I was always doing was looking around saying, what, what's my roadmap for success? And I'm, I'm trying to gather it. And that reaction, you know, the one where men looked at the women and heard her say, oh, I'm a doctor or I'm an attorney, then they always got the reaction of wow or whoa, you know, and I wanted that.
0: I think it's so interesting. I mean, it made me think, Okay, you grew up in South Carolina. I'm new to the U.S. relatively, 13 years. And it feels like there is a heightened expectation for what it means to be feminine in the South what it means to be a woman, what it means to be gracious. Was that part of what fed into the career choice too? I love this
1: question and I love that you asked it because I don't know that anyone's asked me this yet, but it is something I've thought a good bit about. And I do think it did feed into the career choice as well, because there is a, it is different whether other people say it or not. For me, my own personal opinion is that it is different because you know, there are still expectations that in the South that, you know, the mom stays home, the man works and that. So I think that the expectation is if you're going to do something different, it better darn well be something that's impressive and successful and worth it. Because very often I hear from many women unfortunately well i wasn't doing that well or i was essentially paying for daycare or i wasn't you know doing anything that was my ultimate passion so i it i gave up when i had kids and i wanted to be doing something where there was no question whether or not i was going to remain in the workforce no question whether or not I was going to be, you know, part of the decision making mechanism within my household and family either.
0: That is important too. choosing a spouse that actually supports you both making decisions. It doesn't discount his role in the home. It doesn't make him any less powerful. Yeah. But it's my belief that if you're going to raise a family together, that you need to be making decisions together. The world is way too broken not to have all hands on deck.
1: I want people to know that it's not selfish to, at some point, question whether or not you're on the right path. And I did question that, like you said, for a long time and thought, well, you know, I've made this decision at 22. Shouldn't I have to stay and be the same person that I made you know, that decision at 22 that I'm going to be the same person at 42, and I'm not the same person. Thank God. So, why should I have to be in the exact same profession? And yet, that's generally the expectation. In fact, I still get questions all the time from people now that I've moved to my hometown saying, Oh, I'm so sorry that you're not practicing anymore. Isn't that sad? I'm like, Oh my gosh, absolutely not. It's not sad at all. You know, but they believe that I made some sort of sacrifice to leave instead of believing that it could be even better. Right. And that's what I want people to know is that, holy cow, what if the leap out of rock middle to your greatest potential is going to be even better?
0: Do you think that women lead differently
1: I do think that women lead differently and in a way that excites me, to be honest. I think that, you know, women have a unique ability to connect personally. And my belief has always been there is no separation of church and state meaning there is no separation of your personal life from your professional, right? What happens at home inevitably affects your beliefs. It affects your mood, your attitude. And ultimately, those things, those are the things that dictate your actions. And so, you know, having a leader that can be able to deal with, you know, the emotional, uh, aspects of an individual and be able to lead them through those to get to their greatest potential is to me, the best kind of leader out there. And more often than not, those are women.
0: It's not as if men can't do this, to be clear, but I don't think they're socialized in the same way to manage both. And we're seeing a shift in that, thankfully, but in the traditional paradigm of leadership, we don't see that as much. And this phrase, which just drives me bananas, it's just business. But then business is all about relationships, and relationships are all about human beings.
1: Yeah, and you, don't, you can't leave out the word personal when you're talking about relationships. They're about personal relationships which are (laughs) therefore personal so it's all intertwined
0: what do you think about the idea of calling it feminine leadership
1: i think differentiating the two is fine what i don't want others to do is to then use that as a stone to cast you know what i mean like
0: I totally know what you mean. I, it's a, such a catch-22 for me because when you're being feminine, you're too emotional. You're oh. too uh, – you know, you're crazy. You, you're you not thinking straight, all of these things, which actually are oftentimes linked to the way that feminine is. You know, our feminine brain is structured, right, emotional. But those are, in my mind, advantages. Absolutely. Those are disadvantages. It's just no. what we talked about, it's that, it, that personal connection, that ability to connect. It's all of those things – are part of being feminine in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I want a reclaiming of the word. At the same time, you don't say doctoress. You don't mm-hmm. say, you know, people stu- still do say actress, but most, a lot of actors say actor. So there's yes. one word. And I like the idea that there is one word, but there's definitely qualities of being feminine, masculine. We'll look at it in design. We'll look at it in in words and language.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's, it's a catch 22 for me. I get what you're saying. And I, I do appreciate having that point of view. It's
1: then in that context of you really calling the distinguishing characteristics, then one is feminine leadership and one is masculine leadership. Instead of my assumption, see, I just went there of it being feminine leadership and leadership. Right. Yes. And 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 I did that myself.
0: So I absolutely agree. I think too, it's it's hard not to go there because Mm -hmm. our culture is set up to reward and revere what is masculine. Mm -hmm. And what is masculine is simply the standard Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. even as it relates to women. And we learned this at the conference where we met, but that... Healthcare decisions were being made for women on the basis of research that was done about men. We are different. Yes. We are different. And I'm I'm I love to celebrate that. So when it comes to women in the culture, because that's the broader conversation that we're having, mm-hmm. what aren't we talking about that we need to be? Oftentimes
1: I would ask myself, like, how dare I want more? Right? I've got The husband, a white picket fence, two kids and a legal profession. How dare I want more than this? And I want much more discussion around the fact that it's okay to want more and that you don't have to settle for, you know, the participation trophy. You can want to be the absolute best version of yourself that you can be and keep striving until you reach that. And that fulfillment is success.
0: Right. Is fulfillment right. is success? No, success is. is this, except it's mm-hmm. not. Right. Yes.
1: Yes. The script is flipped. It's fulfillment first, and then
0: comes the success. The structure you've given for yourself for what success is was not written correctly in the first place. It mm-hmm. was written according to somebody else's narrative of your story. Yes. So if you'd written your own narrative... It's so interesting to me. The first thing you said was, I love movies. I wonder Mm -hmm. if you'd written, if that had been modeled for you, if you decided to follow that dream, who knows? I mean, still probably going to write a script at some point. Who knows what's going to happen here, right? In this moment, your entrepreneurship is wide open, but it's interesting. Like who knows what story you would have written had you Mm -hmm. not been following the script of what was acceptable for you as a woman by, by the culture, right? Mm -hmm. What you unconsciously observed to be successful, You framed so beautifully a result of what happens when we're kind of living by what the culture dictates that we should be or do or have instead of what our souls are telling us. One thousand percent. Oh, so
1: beautiful. Yes.
0: If I asked you to complete the following sentence, my wish for every other woman is...
1: My wish for every other woman is for them to know that the dream they have within themselves is meant for them and only them and that they're capable of achieving that dream. It wouldn't be there if it weren't meant for them.
0: You have all of the answers when you ask the right questions. Be visible. Speak your truth. Every other woman needs you to lead. Voice Lessons is produced, written, and spoken by me, Kim Cutable. It's also produced and edited by Sergio Miranda and associate produced by Jessica Manalga. Our music was created by singer-songwriter Claire Hamill. You can find out when we post new episodes when you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And if you liked what you've heard, we would love it if you leave us a review. You can join our community at Facebook forward slash Voice Lessons Podcast to speak with me live after every episode is posted. And if you have a question or comment or want to suggest a guest, you can do it there. Or if you're on Instagram, tag us at Voice Lessons Podcast and use the hashtag #LessonUp. For other inspiration, updates, and show notes, subscribe at voicelessonspodcast.com.